Welcome into the podcast. Where have you been, Steve? What's been going on? You know, you started this podcast. It was going good. Podcast train on the tracks. And then suddenly, what gives? It's going to be a conversation. That's where it's going to be between you and I and probably the flower CIA. When my family and I moved back here to Natchez Glen from our two-year hiatus in Connecticut, I knew that for me, growing flowers was not going to be a problem. I had a really strong technical background, had been around some of the best plant people in the world. So I knew, yeah, we'll get this flower thing locked down as far as being able to have flowers. There's been really surprising, though, things for me. Let's go down the list. Number one, the amount of dishonest content that exists on social media regarding flowers. I mean, come on, flowers. Who would have thought that? There are some really big issues. You know, go back in the podcast with Nate Miller and listen to the international flower industry and what goes on there and how that market was created. And when are we going to get Joe Biden on the podcast to talk about that picture of him smiling down at a Colombian flower farm? The issues that exist at those flower farms beyond the use of what they used as a bit of a false narrative, which was chemical use. What about labor rights, workers' rights, civil rights? That seemed to me, when I knew I was going to get back into growing plants professionally, like that was going to be the common cause, that everyone that was growing flowers on small scale were going to jump on that train. And for me personally, I knew that the way I wanted to talk about flowers was going to get people interested in gardening. Because for me, that's really where it starts and ends. Great cut flowers are typically great garden plants, and more people gardening, the better. And the more people that garden, the more they'll appreciate really unique flowers, so that'll allow me to grow even more unique things. I felt like that's where the synergy was going to exist. Let's promote flowers in a way that gets people excited and enthusiastic and gets them to think about maybe growing flowers and plants in their own homes or gardens or wherever that might be for them. Yeah, that'll, and then it wasn't. So, as anyone that's listened to the podcast knows, I've been incredibly vocal. And as far as I know, the only person who grows flowers professionally who has been. And throughout recording a lot of the podcast, I think the overwhelming response from what I like to call human beings has been great. There's been a couple of incidents, quite honestly, that were like, um, are you okay? Is the person who's complaining about this thing maybe need some help? you need a hug? That has gone on a little bit. Very small, but again, vocal minorities. 
and to draw some life parallels at the moment, maybe there's a lot of that going on in the world right now, where vocal minorities dictate too much of the conversation. So when I decided to step back from the podcast, it was two reasons. Reason one, just sometimes you're tired, people. It's like 95 degrees out most of the time during the growing season. And I was like, you know, I have to record the podcast, edit the podcast, then put the podcast up online. And then by the time, next thing you know, you look at the clock on your PC and it's like 1.30 in the morning. Wasn't maybe the best prescription for health. But the second reason was I wanted to really sort through how I feel about some of this information. Where do I go with it? I want to continue to be pro-gardening, pro-people, and still cut through a lot of the BS, which seems sometimes endless in this category. And I know for some of you listening, you might think, well, what's the big deal? How does this impact you, Steve? You know, or how does this impact me? I'm just a home gardener. I just want to learn how to grow things a little bit better. Here's how. The world of plants has been filled with misinformation. That's why not that many people garden. This is something that nobody else wants to really talk about either. The numbers are down for the amount of people interested in gardening, not up. If you look at plant societies as a whole, and they've had their flaws for sure, their membership numbers are at record lows. Many societies in different parts of the world, especially in the United States, are actually having to fold because there's no one there. There's nobody under the age of, let's say, 65 years old who's participating. Now, granted, that's its own unique lane, and maybe it's from a bygone time, but it's a little bit insightful. And the data numbers show it. The sales for nurseries, for growers, show it. And now Home Depot and Lowe's, if you go back and re-listen to the episode with Alan Armitage, we pretty much talk about that. How now Home Depot and Lowe's are calling the shots for what plants are going to be grown. That's not a great thing if you're a gardener. They're not necessarily after the same thing that you are. They want a plant to look great in a garden center in a cute little pot so people buy it. But does it last a long time as a long-lived perennial tree or shrub? Does it get better as the season progresses? Or does it throw out two pretty blooms, then it's done? So their goals are different. So that misinformation being out there is bad for you. It's bad for me. It's bad for anybody that wants to or is passionate about plants. And again, I have been very surprised to hear the amount of misinformation. And I'm going to give you a very particular case. There is a very old school, really, sales scam called the reverse sale. Here's how it goes. I'm doing a floral workshop and I want all of you to join me for this incredible event. The tickets will go on sale Friday at 8 a.m. Friday at 8 a.m. comes. Same person goes on social media and says, you guys are incredible. We sold out every space. 
This is amazing. Thank you so much. This means the world to me. Comes on social media an hour later. We just added two more spots. There were so many people that wanted to sign up that couldn't. We have fit two more people in. But you have to email now. Email me now. And we're going to pick two people from those emails to be able to join the workshop. Anyone who had even remote interest now sends their email addresses to this person. Now this person solicits every single person who sent an email. Because do you know why? They haven't sold one space. They're pretending, lying about having sold it. But now they've identified who their potential buyers are and have those people's email addresses. So now they go, hey, person, if you want to go, you can go. And the person goes, oh, yeah, you know, but $2,000 is a lot of money. And then they go and they say, well, for you, $1,500. Oh, really? Yes, really. The reverse sale. You might have seen it in the past under faces like this. Hey, I know you're really interested in this car, but I got to tell you that just before you got here, there was somebody else looking at it and they're going to come back and buy it in just a few hours. So if you want it, you better buy it now. And the person doesn't exist. Reverse sale. It's very, I think, surprising, again, and maybe a tad alarming that we've entered into this phase, but it's one of the things that has given me great pause about the podcast. And there are these subjects that I've wanted to talk about and also, again, have great guests on. It's one of the reasons why in having guests on, I've really worked hard, and sometimes it's, it's maybe harder than it should be, to get really credible guest on the podcast. People who I know that if we're talking gardening and plant information, it's legitimate. These are academics. These are people that have worked in the field for decades. They're really super knowledgeable. And that is the other side to this conversation. So many people have gotten involved in small-scale farming over the last, let's call it two decades, both in edibles and more recently in flowers. And at first glance, that would maybe be a good thing. We've talked in the podcast with Nate Miller how essentially U.S. production of flowers is non-existent. 90% now of the flowers sold in the United States come from somewhere else internationally, primarily Colombia and Ecuador. So you'd think having more small growers would be a good thing. But I don't think it is. I think it confuses the market sometimes when we have people who go out, have a very hobby-based business, we'll call it, or farm, 
and post things on Instagram as if they're doing it professionally. It makes it confusing. One of the great questions of the last couple of months that I received is how do people get these local finger quotes flowers? How do I get them? Where do I go? How do I find them? Where do they exist? Is it on the top of some mountain next to some goat with a with next to some goat with a fleece on it? How do I get them? Which seems like such a fundamental question to not have an easy answer to. And having so many people bring their own ego and their own narrative to this doesn't help the bigger picture issue. Which is, if we want to get really incredible, interesting, and unique flowers that just happen to be grown locally into the hands of people, we've got to have people that are actually doing it in a relatively serious is a strong word, but at least a committed place. Not just as a hobby or to be able to post pretty pictures on the gram. And if those people are just doing it to post pretty pictures on the gram, but I'm doing it to try to get flowers into the hands of people and compete a little bit with international flowers, we're very different people. What our goals are and how we get there are going to be very different. And the way we see it and talk about it are going to be very, very different. And obviously, anybody can do anything they want. America. But it is a confusing topic. It's not as straightforward as it should be. And that is sometimes where my frustration comes from. If we really want to get these awesome flowers into the hands of people, I don't look at this so much as a local narrative. I look at it more so as if I'm doing my job, I'm growing something that's really very different than that internationally grown product. And I want to get that in front of you so you can have that choice. There's always going to be internationally grown flowers. There always was internationally grown flowers. But the scale is so overwhelming right now that what you're seeing is that same Home Depot and Lowe's impact. That a lot of what's being dictated to what's being grown and what's being shown to you as a consumer is by the flowers that go into grocery stores at low prices in bouquets. You're not seeing some of the most unique and some of the most magical. And that's where I see my role is to get those flowers to you. Moving forward, the podcast is going to take on two forms. This form, where you and I have these conversations. And I always encourage feedback, DMs, emails, anything you'd like on some of these topics. We're going to have these talks. And then we're still going to do the guest. Don't worry. I've actually got some already recorded. Somebody's got to edit them, probably me, and put them up. But we have some pre-recorded already with great plant gardening knowledge. And I will always stay committed to that. But these conversations in this more long form are super important too. For you to share, 
with your friends, anybody that's interested in plants, because there's more moving parts to this than you would think. It's not as straightforward as grow flowers, sell flowers for anyone, myself, or large-scale international growers. I'm also going to close on this thought. Almost a year ago, the grower in the Pacific Northwest, who is known for pretty pictures of flowers on Instagram, was brought to my attention that she had a course, was aware of her Instagram account, but was not aware of the, the course component that well. Then when it was brought to my attention, I researched it and I saw it was $2,000. I was working under the assumption that maybe it was a couple of hundred. The 2000 was alarming. I've talked about this numerous times. But in the last four to five months, she's now shaping a narrative that she is going to start and has been hybridizing, seed-gathering dahlias. And that her selections that she's trying to make are what people really want, not the ones of the past. The ones of the past were not bred to be the color palette she deems popular. And that all of those people were just wasting their time with Dahlia show flowers. Well, I'm going to invite my friend from the Pacific Northwest onto the podcast to have this conversation because I find what she does completely self-serving and doesn't give any credit to the thousands, tens of thousands of people over the decades who loved dahlias and grew dahlias when dahlias were not that popular. And they had them for shows, for themselves, And you know what? A lot of them were beautiful blush. A lot of them were really interesting colors that she's now saying are just newly popular. Were some of them blazing red and blazing yellow? Sure, those were there too. But it's sort of like that scene in The Wizard of Oz when Dorothy wakes up and she goes, and you were there, and you were there, and you were all there. That's how dahlias were. They were all there. They've always been there. She's not doing anything new. She's not blazing a trail. I heard that. I saw that. Written in a comment on a post that she recently had. And it does you a disservice as a gardener if her whole job and mentality is to just sell you overpriced Dahlia tubers that she's going to offer on her website. Duh. Who can't see that coming? There are plenty of incredible dahlias out there. Should we always be searching for new and unique? Absolutely. But to not give credit, to in fact go the other way, and to throw a little bit of shade at the people that have been doing it for all of these years, just so you can promote your own dahlia program, is grossly self-serving. Again, from the same person 
And I don't know when the bells are going to go off. I've seen a little bit more bells going off for some of the people who have taken her course and pay attention to what she does. But there's nothing going on there that is positive for gardening long term. There are positives for her and what she does. And I know a lot of this particular recording podcast has been real inside, real deep cuts kind of conversation. But as everyone knows, this is sort of where I would like to roll. This is what I like to do. And it's that transparency that I'm really trying hard to get across. I want you to have an opportunity to look at things authentically and know about the people involved with plants. Again, we're at the heat of summer as I record this. Dahlias are doing its thing. We'll get into gardening talk beyond just these one-on-one talks about these type of subjects. I'll also just do some general flower gardening thoughts at least once a week. We'll do an interview guest at least twice a month, if not once a week. Get that going as well. And we're going to get this podcast train rolling. I really appreciate everybody for listening. You can always do me a huge favor and on iTunes or any of the podcast apps that are out there where you listen to them. If you leave a review, it really does help. It allows other people to find the podcast. And this is how tricky these places are. It actually drives the podcast up in the rating systems that they have. So please do me a favor, do that, and happy gardening. Cheaters cheat and liars lie Without cause or alibi And they don't know cause they don't care In love and war all is fair Hearts are broken, love goes stale The real world ain't no fairy tale Nothing turned out like you thought Now look at all the time you've lost You'll never get it back, oh you should have You broke his heart, you broke this heart
home And there's something that he can't condone Most would have realized that a long, long time ago.